The following program is brought to you free of charge by the sponsorship of Novos Ordo Watch. See for yourself that the Church of the Second Vatican Council is not in fact the Catholic Church of the Ages. Go to NovosOrdoWatch.org. That's NovosOrdoWatch.org. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to In Veritate on member-supported Restoration Radio. Veritate is a show containing sermons solely by Bishop Donald Sanborn, and I am your host, Matthew Arthur. We are pleased to present In Veritate free of charge to our listeners by the gracious sponsorship of Most Holy Trinity Seminary. To receive access to old Restoration Radio episodes, including exclusive series, please visit truerestoration.org and go to the member area on the menu bar to find out details on becoming a member. On this episode, Bishop Sanborn will be discussing One God, One Faith. And now we present... In Veritate. In the epistle of today's Mass, we see the well known formula of St. Paul, which is one Lord, one faith, one baptism. These three things constitute the very essence of the Catholic Church. One Lord, that is, one head of the Catholic Church, who is our Lord Jesus Christ. One faith, that is, one set of dogmas and moral teachings which are revealed by God and proposed by the church to us to believe. And one baptism that is a single worship, namely the seven sacraments and especially the Holy Eucharist, which, is, which also stands for the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass. St. Paul uses baptism, which is the first of all of the sacraments, to stand for all of the worship of the Catholic Church. Now let us examine each of these things in particular. One Lord means that there is only one true God, our Lord Jesus Christ, together with the Father and the Holy Ghost, and that he is the head of the Catholic Church. Therefore, in order to be attached to Christ, one must be attached to and submitted to those to whom he has given apostolic authority, that is, Christ's own authority, which he has invested in the apostles and his successors. And for this reason, schism has always placed you outside the church the Greek schismatics, the so-called Greek Orthodox, the Russian Orthodox, and all of the others that fit into that category are outside of the church because they are not submitted to the hierarchy of the Catholic Church, which is a direct submission to Christ as head of the church. The present Novus Ordo hierarchy, although they have succeeded to the places of the authority of the apostles, nevertheless have not succeeded to the authority itself since they have abandoned the true faith. Our Lord conceded the authority to St. Peter 
only after he had demonstrated his faith. He said to our Lord, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Saint, our Lord's direct answer was, Thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and so forth. The profession of the true faith is a prerequisite for the reception of and the retention of authority. Why is this? There are two reasons. The first is that the profession of faith is necessary for membership in the Catholic Church. At baptism, the sponsors must answer for the baby that he believes in the teachings of the Catholic Church. He makes a profession of faith through his sponsors. And if as an adult you approach the baptismal font, you must make a profession of faith before the ceremony can even begin. It's the first question. Nothing will happen if there is not a profession of faith. And so, as Leo XIII said, it is impossible to conceive of someone ruling the church who is not himself a member of the church. And so if someone is not professing the Catholic faith, it is intrinsically impossible that they rule the church. The second reason is that the primary role of authority in the church is to protect the Catholic faith. For the Catholic faith is the foundation of the whole edifice of the Catholic Church. It is the most fundamental aspect of the Catholic Church, what it believes, just as it is absolutely fundamental that you profess faith before you are baptized. The purpose of all authority, whether it is the police, whether it is the government, any authority, what, whatever, is to protect the common good. And if the authority does not have as its goal the protection of the common good, it cannot function in that authority. It is for this reason that the President of the United States must swear before the whole world that he will uphold the Constitution of the United States failing which he could not have the power to rule. Police must take an oath. Military people take oaths that they will do what they are meant to do. If you do not protect the faith of the Catholic Church, it is impossible to rule the Catholic Church. So a person who professes a false faith, as the Novus Ordo hierarchy does, fulfill, fulfills neither of these two principles, these two prerequisites. Now one faith means that all must profess adherence of faith to all of the dogmas and moral teachings of the Roman Catholic Church. The profession of faith in these dogmas and these moral teachings is absolutely required in order that uh, to enter the Catholic Church, as I already said, and in order to remain in it. The public abandonment of the Catholic faith causes the automatic 
severance from the Catholic Church before any ecclesiastical court or judge has handed down a sentence. Why? Because our most fundamental adherence to Christ is to believe what he says. It is the first step toward him. If we reject what he says, if we reject his teaching authority, there is no further way to be united to him. There is no other way. It is the first step, and for that reason, it is the first question at baptism. Do you want to be united to Christ effectively? Do you believe what he says? What dost thou ask of the church of God? Faith, what does faith give thee? Life everlasting. It is the most fundamental connection to Christ. Hence, one faith, St. Paul says, that all believe the same dogmas and the same moral teachings. This pertains to the very essence of the Catholic Church and the true Church of Christ, which are one and the same. Hence, a sure sign of false Christianity is one in which there is not one faith. And this pertains to the Protestants, particularly, and to the modernists, where there are all sorts of faiths. There are as many faiths as there are individuals. And you yourselves have seen, no doubt, over the many decades that the modernists say anything they want and get away with it, believe anything they want. The Poles say that most people don't believe in in the blessed sacrament of the altar. They don't believe in transubstantiation. They don't believe that artificial birth control is a mortal sin or sinful at all. The great majority of Novosordite people are of that mind. And, and they don't have one faith. The person in the pew next to you in the Novosordo could believe something entirely different from what you believe. And for this same reason, the Catholic Church, in order to preserve the unity of faith, has been careful to condemn doctrines which are contrary to her teaching. If you pick up the book which summarizes all of the teachings of the councils and of the popes, you will find that most of it is condemnation. Most of it is anathema. Why? Because the church is not moved ordinarily to define except when there is a heresy that is assailing the truth. And when this heresy presents itself, the church responds just like the antibodies in your bloodstream when a virus presents itself. The church responds vigorously and immediately and defines the faith against the heresy and makes more explicit what has already been implicit in its original teaching. The, magis the magisterium of the church is loaded with anathemas and the history of the church is loaded with struggles against heresies and heretics as she fulfilled this sacred duty of preserving the faith The Novus Ordo has completely perverted this role of the Catholic Church. 
far from preserving one faith by the magisterium and by the use of the anathema, instead of condemning heretics and heresies, it has, it has characterized itself by ecumenism, which is the precise opposite of protecting one faith. Paul VI, back in the 1960s, said there will be no more anathemas. No more anathemas means no more protection of the Catholic faith. The anathema, the condemnation of what is false, is intrinsic to truth. You cannot hold the truth and at the same time believe its opposite. You automatically condemn what is not true and avoid what is not true. You cannot turn on the light and still live in darkness. And that is especially true of supernatural truth, which is absolutely necessary for salvation. And that's why the church protects it so much. But the Novus Ordo promotes subjectivism in dogma, which in turn produces relativism and pluralism. And as I said, there is dogmatic chaos in the Novus Ordo whether in the seminaries or the universities or the schools. How many of you have heard theologians, so-called, sound off, or nuns, or various other people prominent in the Novus Ordo saying things that are absolutely scandalous for their heresy? Where the denial of Catholic doctrine is commonplace and where there is no anathema and where there are no heretics excommunicated all are permitted to run free. This is the pluralism of the Novus Ordo. It goes directly against St. Paul's teaching of one faith. And they have anathematized a single thing, and that is the pre-Vatican II faith. And why do they anathematize that? For the very reason that it is not ecumenical. They teach that false religions are means of salvation. They teach that false religions have value in the order of salvation. 25 years ago, this month, at the meeting in Assisi, a golden Buddha was brought in where John Paul II was present in Assisi. A golden Buddha was brought in to a church, St. Clair, in Assisi. And the tabernacle, the crucifix above the tabernacle was removed. And the golden Buddha was placed on top of the tabernacle. And Buddhist priests vest, vested in so-called sacred vestments incensed and worshipped this idol placed upon the altar of God in blasphemy, heresy, apostasy. And yet this was approved and praised so much so that this month, in, in, in observance of the 25 years of Assisi, there will be yet another meeting of Assisi where Benedict will be present and all sorts of religions will come with their various falsehoods and wares and 
practice false religion. We can only think of Moses descending from the holy mountain where he received the law and looking at the golden calf. He was full of rage over the abomination to the first commandment of God. I am the Lord thy God, thou shalt not have strange gods before me. He was filled with rage. And he beat the idol to dust. That is the one faith. The faith that excludes falsehood, false gods, false religions. And so this ecumenism is something which goes to the very root and heart of the Catholic faith and rots it out. And this very weekend, the Society of St. Pius X is having a meeting in Albano, in Italy, to discuss whether they are going to sign a document that was handed to them by the ecumenical modernist Vatican to see if the process will begin whereby they will obtain a personal prelature, that means an ability to work side by side with the Novus Ordo and with the blessing of this awful hierarchy, to provide the traditional mass and sacraments to people who might want to come to them. And our point is that you cannot reduce the problems in the church to merely a question of liturgy. That this is a question of faith, as I just explained, and that we will never, ever be in communion with this hierarchy for as long as they profess ecumenism, as long as they profess modernism. For how can we say that we conform to the one faith of St. Paul if we are in communion with those who promote this very destruction of the Catholic faith. Pope Pius XI said in 1928 that to have meetings like those of Assisi, and you can read it in his encyclical, is the same thing as abandoning the religion revealed by God he could not have been more explicit. We will never, ever, ever seek to work with this hierarchy that has perverted the Catholic Church. For it is to say that they have the same faith as we. One baptism means that there is one true worship, that of the sacraments of the Catholic Church instituted by Christ after we have accepted the divinity and the authority of Christ and accepted his infallible teachings, it is furthermore necessary to give God true worship. True worship consists not only in observing the bare essence of the sacraments of the Catholic Church, but also in observing the rites and ceremonies which surround these sacraments, for in these are found the Catholic faith. If you compare the Mass that you are are witnessing today to what is going on down the street in the Novus Ordo, you see two different religions. Both profess to be having the Catholic Eucharist and the Catholic Mass, but you see two different religions. 
because like all heretics, as soon as the modernists injected ecumenism into the veins of Catholic institutions, they went straight for the ceremonies and stripped all of the Catholic ceremonies of everything particularly Catholic about them and reduced them to a generic dogmaless Christianity. That's what you find at the local church. And it's full of ecumenism. It is for this reason that we reject the new rites, just as we reject ecumenism as inimical to what St. Paul calls one faith. For worship proceeds from faith, and the worship must be in accordance with faith. And as a result, we find it unacceptable that we should agree to offer the traditional Mass and use traditional sacraments side by side with a hierarchy that has destroyed the Catholic faith by the imposition of ecumenism. This is what the Society of St. Pius X proposes to do. This is why we separated from them 27 years ago. I was talking on the plane yesterday to a man that was older than I was, who was uh, a member of the Novus Ordo in Tampa. And he said that in his parish there's a lot of old people that are upset. And I said, why? He said, well, they're putting in these new translations in the new mass. Now, you have to understand, what they're putting in are the old translations. They're putting in the translations that you would read in your 1950s Missal. For example, instead of saying, and also with you, which seeks to deny the distinction between body and soul, they're now going to say, and with your spirit, after the priest says, the Lord be with you. They're also going back to consubstantial in the Nicene Creed. Consubstantial was the word, a magnificent and most intelligent word, probably inspired by the Holy Ghost, that the fathers of Nicaea in 325 manufactured, because it didn't exist, manufactured in order to explain the relationship between God the Son and God the Father, that the Son is consubstantial with the Father. Just perfect word that, that excludes all heresy. And Saint Athanasius actually went into exile and was almost killed out of defense of this term, consubstantial, because the Arians wouldn't accept it, and the semi-Arians wanted to say, well, he's similar to the Father, and not of the same essence as the Father, but similar. He would not accept that. We had to stick to consubstantial. Well, the Novus Ordo got rid of consubstantial in the translations of the 1960s and the 1970s and translated it, one in being with the Father. Well, a turtle is one in being with the Father, and so is a toad, so is an ant. Because everything exists, we're all one in being in that sense, but a turtle or a toad or an ant is not consubstantial with the Father, that is, he is not of the same divine essence as the Father. 
And so you can see how the faith was corroded by this false translation. Now the old people who read these things in their missals when they were children, now they're objecting because they want to put back in words that are more in conformity with the original. That is how much damage has been done in the Novus Ordo. That they are upset that they are going back to the religion of their childhood. Shame on them. Shame. That these people who had the privilege of learning from nuns and priests who behaved themselves and who had the holy faith that they should object to go back to that? That they want to stay with the, the horror of the Novus Ordo and all of that falsehood, that, that effluent from ecumenism and Vatican II? Shame on them. Then he went on to tell me, just to give you an, an example of what's going on in the Novus Ordo, that they had a, well, he, that he went golfing at the golf outing with the local priest who was on a first name basis. And that they couldn't get any, they had a hard time getting sponsors for it. So, but somebody managed to get Hooters to sponsor the, for the golf outing. And that there were Hooter girls there at the parish golf outing. And he said, but most of us took it in stride, including the priest, obviously. That's life in the Novus Ordo. And we are, ex we are expected to accept this as Catholicism. Catholic baptism is not conferred unless there is a profession of the one and true faith. So how then can we, as Catholic priests, use Catholic sacraments among those who do not profess the one faith of St. Paul. One Lord, one faith, one baptism refers to the three essential unities, therefore, of the Catholic Church. The unity of government, one Lord, the unity of faith, one faith, the unity of worship, one baptism. These three unities must transcend place and time. That is, they must be found wherever the Catholic Church is in the world, and they must be found whenever the Catholic Church is in the world. That is, they must be found all through her history, all through the centuries. One church with those three essential unities mentioned by St. Paul. And for this reason we hold to the ancient faith of the church as well as her ancient mass and sacraments and her ancient disciplines. You cannot be attached to Christ if you change your faith or if you change essentially the sacraments or the rites that surround them or change the essential disciplines of the church. You cut yourself off from the unity of the church and from Christ the head of the church. In other words, you are not obedient 
to the one Lord, our Lord Jesus Christ, if you are obedient and submitted to the wolf. Consequently, the central question which must be asked is always, is Vatican II and its changes an essential departure from the traditional faith, sacraments, and discipline of the Catholic Church? For from the answer to this question, all the other answers flow. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, amen. We would like to remind you that you are listening to In Veritate on member-supported Restoration Radio. I am your host, Matthew Arthur, and I am presenting sermons by Bishop Donald Sanborn on the subject of One God, One Faith. We want to remind you that In Veritate is a production of member-supported Restoration Radio. All rights are reserved and any duplication without explicit written permission is forbidden. To obtain permission, please write to mail at truerestoration.org. And now for the continuation of In Veritate. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, Amen. There is no dogma more defined than that of the Most Holy Trinity, which we celebrate today. The early councils of the Church, from the year 325 all the way to the year 680, and that is the Council of Nicaea, the three councils of Constantinople, the Council of Ephesus, and the Council of Chalcedon, all spoke about the Most Holy Trinity, all defined things about the Most Holy Trinity or about one of the persons of the Holy Trinity. And so you see that the Church was very much concerned with orthodoxy concerning the Holy Trinity, this central and highest of all of the dogmas concerning God and how to approach him, this is the most important and the church manifested its interest, its insistence upon orthodoxy with regard to what we must believe concerning the Holy Trinity. So much so that when the Archbishop of Constantinople, Nestorius, said that Mary was not the mother of God because in Christ there were two persons and that Christ did not have a divine personality, but two persons, that is, he was two different things, the people got up and walked out. When he preached that, they got up and walked out with the, the exception of a few heretical stragglers. But he had before him an empty cathedral because he pronounced the heresy concerning our Lord Jesus Christ and his mother. 
And from that act and the other acts of the early church, we should see the devotion to orthodoxy, to thinking and, and saying rightly concerning God, what is true faith as distinguished from heresy. People were deeply interested in that, and today they are not. The church's care to teach dogma and to contradict heresy should teach us about the importance of dogma. The modern age is subjectivist. You believe what you want. You believe what you think is true. This subjectivism comes to us from Protestantism. Because the basis of Protestantism is to take up the scriptures yourself and decide for yourself what is the interpretation. And so Protestantism over the past 400 years has broken up into many, many hundreds of little sects because each man is to himself a pope who can pick up and decide what is the true faith. And this has made the modern world subjectivist, a world which hates dogma. You can believe anything you want, provided that you do not make it a dogma. You could worship Satan, provided you do not make it a dogma. For the modern world. That is something which all must believe. And so in the moral order we see that anything goes. And right across the river, man can marry man and woman can marry woman. In defiance of the clear condemnations of this in both the Old and the New Testament. In defiance of the very dictates of nature itself, which are as clear in front of our eyes as the light of the sun, that God made male and female to be married. But across the river in Canada today, you can man marry man and woman woman. Because anything goes, as long as you don't make it a dogma. But ironically, the subjectivist's hatred of dogma is itself a dogma. If you say, Roman Catholicism is the one true faith, you deny their fundamental dogma, which is that you cannot make a dogma. The highest truth is that there is no truth. That is the modern mind. And so in aspects of religion, modern subjectivism says it does not matter what you believe. 
as long as you are a good person. This is the universal dogma of the modern world. It implies that you could be a good person even though you do not adhere to the truth. Even though you reject the truth which is revealed by God and which is proposed by his church, which is the Roman Catholic Church. Now here we are not speaking about those who err in good faith. We are speaking objectively. We are not speaking about someone who wants to know the truth and would accept the truth if he knew it. We are speaking objectively. Objectively, can you be a good person if you reject the truth? If you hold to heresies, can you be a good person if you reject our Lord Jesus Christ? If you reject his church, can you be a good person? And the answer to that is no. Because you have ruined the most fundamental aspect of goodness, which is adherence to truth. And there is no other savior, no other name by which we are saved than our Lord Jesus Christ. And there is no other church by which we are saved except the Catholic Church. This is the teaching of the church. This is the teaching of Christ himself. So how can you be good? How can you be pleasing to God, which is good, if you reject the truth of God? The truth that was given to us by his only begotten son, who cared enough about the truth to come down to earth in a stable and to be crucified on the cross in order, as he said to Pilate, to witness unto the truth. We all worship the same God. I'm sure you've heard that. That's another dogma, a religious dogma of the modern world. We all worship the same God. This is not true. We do not all worship the same God. I will give you an example. Suppose we are talking about someone and we and I say, well, this person has a son. And you say, no, he doesn't have a son. That cannot be the same person. We are not speaking about the same person. The dogmas are a, a likeness, just like a picture of God. They are a description of God, just like a picture. And so if you saw the pictures of two different people, you would say these people are different because they have different likenesses. Therefore, if our dogmas are different about God, we do not worship the same God. It would be like going to the police, for example, if we knew that a white man committed a crime and you go to the police and you look at their pictures and you see the pictures, a picture of a black man who was supposed to have committed the crime and you say, no, it was a white man who committed the crime. And the police said to you, well, it doesn't matter because we are all against the same criminals. 
we will go and arrest the black man because we're all against crime. It is absurd. It is absurd because the black man is not the white man. And so if your dogmas are different about God, your God is different. Just as two pictures are different because they represent two different things, two different people. Now, it is true to say that we all worship a supreme being. That's true. As long as you're not an atheist, as many are. But that supreme being could be a stone idol. It could be a snake, as many worshipped. Many, many peoples in the ancient times and even in modern times, such as the Aztecs, worship snakes. Or elephants or cows or other things, whatever you do, they are supreme beings. You could call them supreme beings. But that does not mean that we all worship the same God, the true God is one God and three divine persons, one divine essence, three divine persons. That's the true God. And if you do not worship one God who is three divine persons, you do not worship the true God. You worship a false God. And so not even the Muslims and the Jews worship the same God as we do. It is false to say we worship all the same God. And this has been repeatedly stated by John Paul II, that Muslims and Christians all worship the same God. And it is false. It has never been said by the Catholic Church. Never, ever. Or that Jews worship the same God as Catholics. That has never been said. He called Jews our big brothers in the faith. What faith? Faith in what? The father without the son? Is that faith? Is that what we believe, that there is a father without the son? Listen to what our Lord Jesus Christ says about the father without the son. He who honoreth not the son honoreth not the father. Who hath sent him? And have you not heard his word abiding in you? Christ says, for whom he hath sent him you believe not, he said to the Jews concerning his father. He said again, everyone that hath heard of the father and hath learned cometh to me. And he said again to the Jews, no man cometh to the father but by me. And referring to the unfaithful Jews who will persecute the church, our Lord said, and these things they will do to you, the apostles and their successors, because they have not known the father nor me. And St. John says in his epistle, who is a liar, but he that denieth that Jesus is the Christ. And whosoever denieth the son, the same hath not the father. 
And Christ said again, neither me do you know, nor my father. If you did know me, perhaps you would know my father also. He said to the Pharisees, who were the theologians among the Jews. Now, how can we say in the face of those quotations from the mouth of our God, our Lord Jesus Christ, that they are our big brothers in the faith? What defines Judaism is the rejection of our Lord Jesus Christ as the true Messiah. That's what defines them and distinguishes them from the Christian religion. The rejection of our Lord Jesus Christ as the true Messiah, the Son of God. How, in virtue of what our Lord himself said to them, our Lord born of Jewish stock, a true son of David, said to his own people, how can we say that they are our big brothers in the faith? The only way that that could be true is if you dispense of our Lord Jesus Christ as the object of faith. And so to say such a thing is an apostasy. For to give up the divinity of our Lord Jesus Christ is considered by the Catholic Church apostasy. And this is all in the name of ecumenism, all in the name of subjectivism, as it has invaded the order of religion. Believe what you want. It doesn't matter. You can be a good person. And the Koran, which was kissed in solemn ceremony by John Paul II, says that it is impossible that God have a son. It is impossible that God have a son. In direct insult to our Lord Jesus Christ that was written against Christianity. And this book was kissed. Kissed. And he has repeatedly said the Muslims and the Christians adore the same God. It is not true, because the one true God is our Lord Jesus Christ, together with the Father and, and the Holy Ghost, the triune God, one God, three divine persons, inseparable, equal in divinity. This is true faith. And so on this feast of the Holy Trinity, let us bend the knee before the one true God and burn with a holy hatred of heresy. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, amen.
Thank you for joining us on In Veritate. If you have any questions for Bishop Donald Sanborn or feedback on this episode, please contact us at inveritate at truerestoration.org and we will pass along your questions or comments to him. All of us here at Member Supported Restoration Radio hope that you found this show to be informative, helpful and beneficial to you and to your faith. In return, please think of offering a Mass, a Rosary or even simply an Ave for our work the next time you pray. For the Restoration, I am Matthew Arthur. May God bless you. This program was brought to you free of charge by the sponsorship of Novus Ordo Watch. See for yourself that the Church of the Second Vatican Council is not in fact the Catholic Church of the Ages. Go to NovusOrdoWatch.org. That's NovusOrdoWatch.org.